It's Gardening Talk back on to NURFM. Greg Richard joined by Scott Sharp. Back with us once again. Great to see you, Scott. Good, yeah. Thank you. Well, I've made it over here with all the thunder and lightning clapping down around my head. So. There's a- Apparently, it's a big lightning around town today. Yeah, I have to take off my tinfoil hat. I think it might have been attracting some of that electricity. <laughs> what do you got for us today, Scott? Well, I thought I would talk about it's so lovely and humid out there at the moment and the storms, the spider lily, it's out in flower at the moment. It looks yep. absolutely gorgeous. But there's a bad thing that comes along with the humidity. It's dollar spot on your lawn. So we'll have a chat about that as well. And also the citrus leaf miner. The little moths are out at night. They're laying their eggs and they do a lot of damage to your citrus at this time of year. No one loves those citrus leaf miners. They're up there with the worst pests, aren't they? They are. I was going to well, I won't do that joke. I'll leave that one alone that I was about to do, but they are not very well liked in the community. They're up there with other professions. Right. Okay. Yes. <laughs> it's Gardening Talk back on to NURFM. And straight off the bat, we've got Margaret from Charlestown and she's got a question about conifers. Afternoon, Margaret. How can we help you? Oh, good. Um, I have two questions. I have a golden conifer. It's only supposed to have grown probably 8 to 10 feet. Um, he's been in about 16 years, and but he's decided to be so healthy now, he's gone probably uh, 15 foot. Ooh, okay. Now, can I cut that across the top? Yes, you can, but there's a but here waiting for you. Uh, It's going to sort of ruin the shape of it. It would largely only stay flat at the top then. Because what you're doing by doing that is, uh, by pruning it, is cutting out the main leader, that main trunk up the middle of the plant. Yeah. And you're in fact just sort of promoting it then to to spread out. uh, And you'll just find that it'll, you won't get that lovely conical shape anymore out of the plant. Okay. Yeah, so that that is a bit of a problem with with it if you do with or conifers uh, generally they just don't like to be heavily pruned like that. I always say your best is to uh, shave a conifer if you're going to prune it at all. Uh, nothing to say you can't take the top off it, but you are going to lose that little pointy sort of uh, shape up the top of it. Okay. Second question is the little leaves. Every when it sheds its little f- fluffy, ferny-like leaves. Uh, it leaves a nice carpet of uh, mulch around the base of it, which mm. I think has been keeping it healthy looking. Can I use that elsewhere on the garden as a mulch? No, I'd be very careful about doing that. Uh, you, you do find some conifers, uh, when their sort of leaf matter will kill whatever's underneath it. And you've probably noticed under the conifer, not much really wants to grow under it, does it? No, well, there's nothing there anyway. And and casuarinas are one of the worst for that. Uh, So I wouldn't be using it on the garden. I'd just be raking it up and uh, getting rid of it in the green mulch bin. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you very much. Okay, not a problem. Bye. Thanks, Margaret. We've got Roz from Shoal Bay, and she's got a question about passion fruits. Hello, Roz. How can we help you? Uh, Hi, Scott. I've got a fantastic passion fruit um, vine which has had fruit on it for ages, but they're taking a very long time to um, ripen. I've had a few off it, um, and I just wondered if there's anything that I could be doing. I can't do it myself. I can't get out of the house, so I've been depending on um, a, a friend who was coming and looking after the plants and things and he's gone off now so I just have to wait until I can get get out of the house and get somebody to help me but I just wonder why they're not fruiting and not not ripening um 
so quickly. Yeah, no, that, that's okay, Roz. Uh, I've got exactly the same problem at my place. Uh, the neighbour planted a, a passion fruit vine. It's, uh, I don't even think it grows in his place anymore. It's <laughs> sort of migrated over into into my house and up the, uh, up the tree. Um, it's mm-hmm. doing very, very well. And I get lots and lots of passion fruit on it but I just can't get them to ripen at all. Okay. Yeah, they sit on there all the way into, you know, April, May, and by oh, that time okay. they just start to fall off. And now, uh-huh. I think with mine it's because they're in a little bit of shade. There's, you know, quite a bit of overhanging, uh, you know, foliage, mm. so they're not getting the full sun. That said, some of them do, so I can never work out that. But what's the aspect of, of yours like, Ros? Well, the... the full sun, and it's, um, it's, there's no trees around, and we had a... Um, got an old um, arch thing to uh, put put up to grow it, and and um, they're growing up over that. And I've got a watering system. My daughter came home at Christmas, and she put an automatic um, water watering system, um, so it comes on twice a day. So that I've got a little garden in the front, in a bo- in a boat, in a little dinghy, mm-hmm. vegetable garden, and um, and so it comes on. It gets watered. Um, twice a day. My neighbour's been coming over and she's probably over about two to three weeks. She's probably got maybe a bit over a half a dozen. She bought me two the other day and I cut one open and it was all dried up and um, there were worms, grubby worms in it. But the others are beautiful. They're thick skin, like when you cut them, they're very thick. And the, the fruit inside them is just... It's been amazing. I, I, I How I started it off, I had a Panama one, I think a friend gave me some seeds and I had some other seeds and I put them in a seed trough in a garden bed down the backyard and um, it just got too hot for me to go outside and I'm a pretty lazy gardener and, and they grew through the bottom of the um, of the trough and they've turned into this magnificent passion fruit vine. I've had it for several years now and um, the fruit off it's amazing. It's just, um, but I just don't know, I, I thought they should have fruited earlier. And, and started to ripen earlier, but yeah. But when did yours actually start to, to fruit and flower? Around November? Is... Yeah, possibly. I see. I can't, as I said, I can't get out of the house. I have to rely on. Um, yes, on, he say. People, yeah, people saying like the garden guy. He said, "Oh, I said, how are they going?" He said, "Oh, yes, nothing yet, nothing yet, nothing yet." And um, and I mean, I used to be able to see the flowers, you know, when I could I could see the flowers come on it. But then all of a sudden, he said, "Oh, there's passion fruit on it now." And um, my neighbours, even the lawnmower people said, they, they checked last time they came and they said, it's absolutely chockers. But, um, and another a friend told me that you, you, shouldn't, you should wait till they fall off before you pick them. I didn't know an older fisherman guy told me that. He said, don't pick them, don't pick them, let them fall off. So I don't know what to do, but what they've, whether they've been just picking them off or but the ones we've had have been beautiful, but only one or two here and there, so... Look, back to that uh, the the point you made uh, when uh, you said you'd pick some and they had you know full of worms. That could have been, in fact, fruit fly uh, in the passion fruit. Uh, mm-hmm. It sounds like they set early enough, and f- rightly mine set quite early at home as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's no real way to sort of ripen a passion fruit. Uh, it, oh, it is okay. it is a, a question that we get uh, quite often. You know, as we get into March and April, you know what's happening. But generally, I would say if the plant you know set its fruit in November. Uh, even into December, it's still been very, very hot. There's been plenty of sunshine. Yeah. Uh, there's absolutely no reason, uh, you know, why they they shouldn't have ripened. I I got timing wrong. I thought they were, I thought they should have been, you know, earlier, and um, fruiting earlier. The other question I had 
for you. Have you ever, or do you know anything about, um, if you're allowed to say it or not, a product called Twift Grow? Uh, look, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not aware of that one. So what, what's, okay. what's it in fact meant to do? Well, it's, it's, um, it's, it's apparently um, uh, a, a barramundi um, poo, basically. Oh, and so it's like a, it's like a sort of a fish it's, emulsion, is it? Well, it's a fertilizer. It has. They have yep. the swift grow, and they reckon it's amazing. Yeah, look, there's um, there's there's lots of two other products that come with it. There's a, a, um, a swift fort and a swift life, which only just come out. The life one's supposed to um, regenerate the soil if you've had, you know, just put it in the soil, and your plants will come back again. And it's um, being um, uh, discovered by a guy who um, in. in uh, Sydney somewhere, and they he's apparently gone overseas, even to Dubai, as to saying that they've had a, a big, um, uh, like, uh, um, hothouse thing in Dubai, and they've they've um, planted flowers and fruit in sand and used this product, and it's thriving. So uh, I just didn't. I've used it, and from what I can see from the, I've. I've the front garden, the little garden bed we've got is um, had a tomato plant, cherry tomato plant that planted that, that fruited right through uh, summer and up until probably and winter. And the vine itself looked like it was dead, but there was always four to five cherry tomatoes on it. They were beautiful. Oh, that sounds and, um, that sounds like a really fantastic product, Ross. There's lots of other different fish emulsions out there. So um, yeah, thanks for your call. Cheers. It's Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM, and we've got Coralie from Madari, and she's got a question about Wollamai Pine. Good afternoon, Coralie. How can we help? Oh, hi, Scott. Um, look, I bought this off the internet, right? When I got it, it came in a little box. It was probably a foot and a half long. So I put it in a bigger pot, and it was growing all right, but then all of a sudden, like, the top of it got three different um, lots of leaves on it. <coughs> So I thought, oh, maybe it's stunted. So I put it in the ground. Now, it's been in the ground probably six months now. It was growing all right until all this rain and all the, all the um, other leaves have gone brown and they're not falling off, but I'm, I think I should put it back in a pot, do you think? Yeah. Now, Coralie, you better tell us what you're actually talking about. <laughs> what plant are you talking about? The Wollumbi pine. Ah, okay, the my pine. Yes, yeah. a, a fas- fascinating little creature that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, that because I remember that was what 15, 20 years ago now that uh, the uh, this is magical valley apparently up in the Blue Mountains that had been yeah. pretty much cut off from civilization and these amazing pine trees had been there since you know the age of the dinosaurs, hundreds, you know, sort of. <laughs> So that, thousands, I'd thousands, say. Thousands, <laughs> millions perhaps. <laughs> so they've been there for quite some time apparently and they were discovered and then propagated. And so you've got one now, Coralie. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We, we went camping down there and that's when I saw them. And, um, but, yeah, the top of them, like there's three um, sections of leaves, but they're yep. only about two inches long. Yeah, look, they're, they're a funny plant. I often wondered why they'd almost become extinct um, back in the day because they were sort of quite tough in a way, but then at other times they'd be quite fragile. And I guess it, it tells that, you know, they were only surviving in that one particular area. Um, maybe the dinosaurs couldn't have got in there to eat them all up or something. That could be the reason. But um, I don't know about Madawi, how the dinosaurs are up there at the moment. Um, but look, they can be a bit touchy. And I think you need to find just the right area for them. Uh, I 
I don't think they like the full sun. Um, they do prefer to be out of that afternoon sun. So it might be best if you get it back out of the ground, if it's still alive, and get it back into a pot. Uh, yep. Make sure it's in a native um, potting mix only, nothing too special. You don't want to be fertilising it or doing anything weird and wonderful with it, um, just treating it nicely and gently. Uh, and getting it into a native um, potting mix and then just starting to move it around the house or under the veranda, uh, just where it's out of that really hot afternoon sun. But it's still getting some nice, you know, warm morning sun as well. Yeah, I did have it there on the veranda in the pot. It got morning sun, but yeah. now, yeah, I think it's got full sun now in the afternoon, so... I'll go and dig it out. Yeah, and look, don't put a saucer underneath it. Um, no. Make sure it's you're just watering it nice and regularly, but that it's draining through. You don't want it sitting, uh, you know, getting soggy, wet feet or wet roots. What about the little leaves? Will they grow big? They they will, uh, but again, it sounds like it might just be a bit unhappy at the moment and it just needs mm. some, some TLC and some native potting mix and uh, just trying to move it around and find the right spot for it. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Scott. Okay. Thanks, Coralie. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Just before we get to Kathy, apparently Rosalind from Karua suggested that Coralie check out the Botanic Gardens at Heatherbrae for advice on, on the pines. Yeah, I, I think that's a good idea. Um, I'm sure they've got some up there. Uh, and look, what happened is the Walmart Pines became a, a mail order thing only at some right, point in time. Yep. So it became, you know, we just weren't seeing them in the garden centre. Yep. So, yeah, being able to provide sort of up-to-date advice. But that was my experience with them, uh, you know, back that 10, 15 year mark ago. All right. We've got Cathy now from Spears Point and she's got a question about magnolias. How can we help, Cathy? Oh, hello, Scott. Um, I, this year, I put a white magnolia in my front yard. Uh, it faces north, and everything's burnt on it. Now, that magnolia that you've got, is that a deciduous one or one of the evergreen ones? I wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> How about does it, in winter, does it drop its leaves and go all bare? Well, I've only put it in, like, Six months ago. Ah, okey-doke. I reckon if it's getting all burnt and looking a little bit horrid, I think it's probably just down to water at the moment. Um, it's been pretty hot. Um, it has been humid, you know, quite recently, but, uh, you know, we've had some pretty dry, uh, you know, occasions, some dry spells uh, coming up to this time of year. Uh, I would just be getting out there and watering it, um, you know, really, really regularly. Uh, if it rains for the day, you can leave it alone then, but otherwise you do need to be watering. And it's a great rule of thumb because if you've put a plant into the ground and uh, you just have to imagine that it's still sort of sitting in the shape of its pot in the ground, its root system hasn't spread out enough over three to six months to, you know, really become self-sustaining. So uh, watering in that first three to six month period uh, for a plant that's just, you know, been potted up is very, very important. Uh, I reckon that's going yeah. to be the problem with yours. No fertiliser though, um, please, oh. Kathy. Yeah. Um, I've got guinea pigs. Oh, okay. So I, I get the poo together and I put it around my lime tree and the magnolia. Is that not good? I, I don't think that that would be particularly bad. Do you let it age a little bit? Yep. Yep, okay. I don't think that would be particularly bad, but at the moment, if your magnolia is a touch stressed, I wouldn't be putting the old guinea pig plop around the magnolia. 
Okay, so I'd be steering clear of that, but otherwise I can't see why that would be a problem at all. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to grow limes and I'm not successful. Now, I, I think I'm... <laughs> I'm not uh, an expert on the old guinea pig, but I'm wondering if the pH of the guinea pig poo is not going to be suitable for citrus plants as well. Uh, they really yeah. like an alkaline soil, so they love poultry manure. And yeah. I'm not sure about the guinea pig, but uh, I, I think it may have more of a slightly acidic um, poo, so that might not be suitable on the lime tree, but elsewhere on the yeah. garden, I, I can't see why you wouldn't be able to use it. Yes. Okay. Oh, thank you so much. Okay, not a problem. We've, it's been a pleasure yes. helping you. Yes, thank you so much. Thanks, Kathy. Bye-bye. Bye. Cheers, thanks, Gabby. It's Gardening Talk back on 2 and you are FM. If you've got a question, 49216216. At the top of the show, Scott, you mentioned spider lilies. Spider lilies, uh, I reckon they must be pretty much my favourite plant in the whole wide world really? now they've, yes they've got a yes yes okay. yes okay. <laughs> even i'm surprised by that <laughs> I, just, I just came to me then that that's yeah. the case uh they look a little bit like an agapanthus in the leaf so they're just a, a strappy green leaf plant that you can use in your garden it just fills up the space really really nicely yep. but at this time of year this is the magic time when the flowers come out right okay. uh, these beautiful white flowers and they do look like little you know little spiders they've got uh, these little sort of feety tendrils that are there just a spectacular looking plant uh, they will survive out in the full sun but i'd suggest that if you keep them out of the you know direct afternoon sun you'll do a lot better with them. Uh, plenty of water, uh, and they do just fill up the ground very, very nicely. And at this time of year, only a very short-lived flower, but uh, just, you know, a little treat uh, for the uh, February-March period. Right. Is it unusual for things to flower around now? Or? Oh, look, uh, not not so much. Uh, I guess we've moved past that spring flowering yep. season. Uh, you know, camellias and all those sort of plants, azaleas, are, you know, they've gone past as well. Uh, I, I, it is a... a you know, a, a tropical plant. Mm -hmm. uh, it's actually from the Americas, from, you know, down south in South America. So that it does like that uh, really humid, uh, you know, style of jungle Amazon, right. I guess, condition. Well, it'd be loving the conditions at the moment. Then. It would be. That's exactly why they're looking so wonderful. And they always come and flower at this time of year. They're just that little treat in the garden for February, March. Right. Something to keep an eye out for. Absolutely. It's Guarding Talk back on to when you are FM. And we've got a Terry from Fern Bay. And he's got a question about the lily pilly. Yeah, hey Terry, how can we help, mate? Mate, I put in this hedge with these lily pillies that were supposed to be bug resistant and really you know, good Australian native stuff, and uh, went really well for three or four years. And then this white cottony scarf got into it, uh, looking dreadful, terrible. Tried to cut it out, used all the poisons and sprays that we could buy, still didn't seem to touch it, and ended up cutting half the hedge down, cutting it out of the top stuff. But so you've got that really big, disgusting, white, thick, gooey sort of marshmallow scale on there, have you? Correct, that's the one. Yeah. Look, mate, unfortunately you have got like one of the hardest scales in the whole wide world to get rid of there. Scale is just a tiny little insect that is on the trunk of the tree uh, sucking away at the sap and it forms this big coating 
over itself. Now there's all sorts of different ones. You can get ones that just has like a little black coating, some with white, green, but you've got the one that has that really big, thick, mushy coating. And what it does is it protects the scale really, really well. Uh, this one's going to take over the world, I reckon. Now, when you're trying to poison and kill scale, you're actually trying to break down that waxy shell or that mushy shell that they've got so that the poison gets down into where the actual insect is. Uh, so it's really important to use a product uh, like white oil and also an insecticide as well. Now, the white oil actually breaks down that, that shell that's you know that mushiness and allows the poison to sort of permeate down and actually get to where the little insect is and now there's products like anti-scale out on the market they're sort of pre-mixed with the white oil and the malathon together uh, but otherwise you can you know buy the two products and mix them mix them together yourself if you want to uh, that's you just need to talk to your local garden centre about the ratios of doing that. Um, I won't give those instructions here on the phone. A little bit too, uh, too uh, you know, sort of detailed for that. So always talk to your local garden centre about doing that, and then make sure that when you're spraying, you're absolutely drenching down inside that plant so that uh, you know your spray is running right down the trunk and. Uh, just getting into that mushy, mushy scale and, and trying to get the poison down to where the actual little insect is. Yeah, I did have some success with a, a concoction of Edlow's spirits uh, detergent and water and put it in a, one of those spray bottles where you connect to your garden hose and I did just spray the, the producers out of it right through the whole uh, hedge and it seemed to stop it and that white sticky stuff went hard and I think they go hard that's for the skill of or hardened with the alcohol in the methyl or the detergent and the smoke and they started to come back so what I did was cut it especially in half which got rid of 80%, 90% yep. off the, the bug in the bags, into the bin. Um, so that, that, but it's still coming back and I'm just not happy. What would you would you recommend or think if I cut it, say, three or four inches off the, uh, the ground with having just the, the bark, you know, the part of the stem of them and they'd regrow or do you think that's a bit too ruthless? Oh, look, that's pretty ruthless and you certainly can cut lily pillies back really really hard um, but the trouble with scale is it's a windborne insect so it's just you know it could be in your next door neighbor it could be up the road somewhere and so it just gets blown in again and your plant regrows and it just takes over again so uh, look rather than sort of getting rid of all that you know plant infrastructure that you've got there is the best way to think about it um, I'd just be you know going onto a, a really heavy spraying regime uh, you know once you know one week and then again two weeks later uh, just drenching down through that plant you prune the plant back a little bit and just try and open it up and let the air in there and make it easier for you to spray but uh, yeah, look I think you're probably going a little bit too scorched earth by going right back down to the ground Okay, thanks for that scuffle, I appreciate your help and I'll, uh, I'll see how that goes because I, I hear you loud and clear even if I got rid of it uh, three months later I've got it again because it's somewhere handy that I'm getting it off somebody else's bush yeah, so you can have a nice, nice, fresh new plant, and it can blow in, and uh, you know, yeah. bobs your uncle off you go again. Yeah, daring you out and a bit like the varroa and a lot of the other stuff. Okay, yeah. okay, thanks so much. Okay, thanks, Terry. Cheers. Cheers. We got Danny now from Macquarie Hills, and he's got a question about the staghorn. Hey, Danny, how can we help you? 
Yes, but I've got a, well, I think it's a staghorn. It's a big single plant. I get mixed up whether it's a staghorn or an elkhorn. Yes. But it's a staghorn, I believe. It's all one big single plant. And it has a heap of little ones about the size of any thumbnail, I suppose. Yep. Growing down the trunk of the tree that it's growing on. And I want to try to transplant those little ones, you know, to try to save them sort of thing, because they're going to all end up just, there's so many of them. Yes. How can you transfer, or what, is there a process? Can you... Um uh, look, you, now's the time to do it when they're nice little young tuckers. Um, so you're just going to have to get, uh, you know, almost a, a sharp knife, just something quite, you know, thin and just prise them back off the the uh, tree, trying to, you know, do as little damage as possible and and then putting them to another suitable area. I, where, where do you think you're going to try and put them? Oh, I've got a property in Quarry Hills, just just around the property. Yeah, okay. Well, look, certainly go and do that. Uh, you can put them up in the you know the forks of trees. Uh, always try and have a similar aspect um, as to you know where the one's growing at the moment, so there's a little bit of shade for it. Yep. They certainly don't like full afternoon sun. They'll just burn right off there, uh, and and just do that, dear. Just try and you know distribute them around uh, you know the trees in in the property and and see how you go. And what would you feed them on? Uh, look, I'd, I wouldn't be feeding them. You'd really just want to let them take you know, hold again. The old thing with staghorns is to feed them, you just get a couple of banana peels and, you know, toss them, you know, into that inner area and just let it rot. And that's really all they need. All right, OK. 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 Thank you. OK, good on you, Danny. Thanks for the call. All right. Cheers, thanks, Danny. It's Gardening Talkback on 2 you RFM. We've got time for one more call. We've got Diane from Curry. And her Madonna lily just not flowering at the moment. Doesn't sound too good, Diane. What's been happening with it? Well, it's good. It looks terrific. It's got new leaves coming all the time, mm-hmm. but it just doesn't flower. <laughs> they can be a bit funny like that. Now, what are you fertilising it with? Only using sea sole on it. Ah, uh, okay. Look, therein lies the problem. You've got a beautiful, healthy plant, but sea sole's fantastic for the root system of the plant. But it does little, you know, as far as other aspects of the plant, like flowering. Okay. So, yeah, you just need to get more of an all-round fertiliser, uh, liquid fertiliser, and start using that on it. Uh, you might not have too much luck for the rest of this season, but, uh, you know, if you start building that back up in the soil, uh, the, it's actually the potash that you need to promote the flowering in the plant. Uh, and just potash. Yeah. So keep on using the sea salt if you want, but you just need a more of an all-purpose uh, indoor um, flowering plant um, food. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And you'll Thank have you much better. And they are look as tough as anything. If you want to, uh, you can give them a you know a good old root prune, pull them out, split them, uh, repot them, uh, and they just do very very well. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Thanks very much for the call, Diane. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Jeez. Thanks, Diane. Guarding talk back on two and you RFM. Scott, just before you go, we've got a couple of minutes left. Now you mentioned something early in the top of the hour about something that's in our lawn. Yes, dollar spot. Dollar spot. Yes, it's a fungal disease. Uh, and that's why I mentioned it at this time of year. It can be quite prevalent. And it really just looks like um, little spots that start to, you know, open up in the lawn. The lawn dies. It just starts to spread out further right, yeah. and further. Yep. Uh, I guess it's more prevalent in wet and shady areas of the lawn uh, because it is a fungal disease. Obviously, if it's out in the open, the sun's sort of keeping that under control. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do need to treat it uh, because it can get quite bad, uh, especially in cooch lawns, I think is probably the worst um, for it. 
so you need to get uh, some sort of fungicide. Uh, there's uh, copper oxychloride, there's Mancozet Plus, either one will do uh, the job for you. And just drench that area uh, with the fungicide. When you say drench? Yep, with the watering can. Okay, yep, yeah. Right so yeah. probably best to mix it up with the watering can and drench it. You can just spray it on uh, if you want to. And just don't do where the little dollar spot is because it's already done its damage there. The fungal spores are elsewhere in the lawn. So that's right. why I always say drench that area and try and get it under control. So don't actually hit on the spot. On the dollar spot. On the dollar spot. <laughs> you want to start spreading the wings on it. You certainly do want to do that. Uh, and it's the same with army grub as well. Yep. Uh, you, you see those patches in the lawn. Well, guess what's already been and had a feed yep. there where it's dead. So you actually want to be, you know, going elsewhere in the lawn where it's nice and green and where those army grubs or, you know, the, uh, actually coming up and feeding overnight. So essentially go to the next patch. Yes. Yeah. Just, you know, start where the dollar spot is yep. and just keep on working out until you're into some nice, nice healthy uh, lawn and that should get it under control for you. Scott Sharp, thank you very much. Why do they call it Dollar Spot? Just the you know, the size and the shape of it. Okay. Yeah, just it starts like a little you know dollar coin and then just keeps on oh, moving outwards. I thought yeah. it was like the dollar symbol. No, no, it's, not exactly no. like that. No. Well, it was a good guess. <laughs> the dollar note. <laughs> Scott Sharp, thank you very much. We'll catch you next Monday for okay. Gardening Talkback. Talk to you then. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.